My name is Danae Reed, and I want to welcome you to the part of life where mothers do not physically, emotionally, or mentally exist. Welcome to Damn Mom, Really? Which is a podcast that seeks to shed light on grief and open up a conversation about a topic that is often avoided. Again, this is a space for people who have either experienced the loss of a mother or a mother figure, and I am so excited to fellowship with you guys. The contents of these episodes is up to the discretion of both my guests and myself, and I can trust that they are telling the truth just as much as I am as it feels right for them. Also noting that the subject matter can potentially be heavy or triggering we have included a six minute cool down meditation by Liliana Rasmussen at the end of this episode for your pleasure and this soundscape is brought to you by Scott Reed Jr. What's up, everyone? My name is Danae Reed, and I'm here with my podcast, Damn Mom, really, which is a podcast you want to listen to but not necessarily want to be on. Um, But here I am with Jimmy today, who um, is the second male that I'm interviewing on the show, and I'm really excited about our conversation because uh, obviously grief isn't gendered, but I've noticed a lot in my conversations with just different people that uh, men and women and people who are non-binary tend to experience it in, in uh, different ways. But before we get into it, Jimmy, how are you feeling today? I'm good. Good. Early Saturday morning. The day is looking good. Excited to get started. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing and thank you for being here with us today. So, Jimmy, I want to just get straight into it. What is your mom's name? Colleen. Colleen. Okay, okay. And how old were you when you lost your mom? I was... I just turned 22, so my 22nd birthday was in the ICU waiting room, uh, having some cupcakes with my family. Yeah, so I just turned 22. Okay, and has that changed the way that you view your birthday or kind of the time surrounding it, or has it sort of amplified that, that space and time for you? Yeah, I think it definitely has changed it. This is like the weirdest time of the year for me, just because like I kind of know leading up to it, like she got sick the first week of March, and then um she was dead by March 31st so it kind of happened really quick so I feel like every time this kind like this time of year I kind of get in a little bit of a slump uh just knowing that it's coming up and I don't really enjoy my birthday that much you know but a little bit you know gotta keep it special somehow yeah so you're saying she found out she was sick and then within a month she had passed away what was that preparation time like for you was there ever a moment where you felt like it was potentially going to turn around or did you kind of know the prognosis and the end result early on yeah no so she um the one morning she like woke up she would watch she was a nanny for this family she used to be a teacher and then she retired so that she could help my sister when my sister had her first baby her first grandchild uh so she retired and she would watch one of the teachers that she used to work with son and then she would watch my niece, Addison. So every morning, the teacher would drop her son off at my house before she went to school. And the one morning she went to my house and she was knocking on the door, my mom didn't answer. And then she found my mom like sitting outside and she was just saying that she was really hot and she didn't feel good. So she called my dad um, and my dad was at work at the time. And my dad said, you know, call the ambulance. I'm on my way home. And then they took her in the ambulance and it ended up being that she had um, an aneurysm first. So she was having like a stroke at the time. Um, And the prognosis was okay at the beginning. And then they had to life flight her to another hospital because she she was kind of worsening. And then she had a couple more strokes while she was in like an induced coma. 
So kind of once that started happening, then obviously the prognosis went down. Um, and then quality of life and everything like that has to be taken into consideration, you know. But at first we were a little bit hopeful, um, like the first week and a half, two weeks. And then kind of after that, we kind of, you know, started realizing the depth of the situation because of everything that kind of followed after. Wow, I'm so sorry. Um, I can't even imagine what that's like. And um, I've had a lot of conversations about whether or not better feels like a very um, contrite term when you're talking about something like this, but I've had a lot of conversations right. about whether you would rather lose your mom immediately or a person in general immediately, or would you rather kind of be there um, as they may be decreasing? And I think the answer to that is there's really no way to lose a person um, that you love. I think it, it's going to suck either way. You know, you're either kind of sitting by um, while things are going wrong, or it's kind of like in the blink of an eye. But it, your situation is so interesting in the sense that it kind of feels like both existed at the same time. You know, one day my mom is fine, the next day she's not. Within a month, I lose her. Obviously, you know, at 22, you're a little bit older. But how do you like conceptualize and understand that as a 22 year old who is about to graduate college and really start their lives? Yeah, it was tough. And I mean, I am a speech language pathologist, as I shared with you before we hopped on here. Um, so with that, I had to go to grad school. And it's really tough to get into master's programs for speech. Like I applied to 12 different ones just to try to get into one of them, only thinking I might get into one. Like it's very hard. And at the time, I was calling her every day too, because, you know, the future was kind of unknown for me in terms of my career and what's next after college. And I feel like talking with a lot of people lately, kind of in that like mid-20s, you're kind of lost because it's like you get your degree, you graduate, and then it's like, okay, what next achievement or what next thing am I working toward? Yeah, it could get lost in the mix, right? So I was calling her a lot because I was stressed because I was getting wait lists or rejection letters like every day. So for me, it was really hard because I kind of like leaned on her because she would just be like, it's going to happen. You just got to give it time. Like you're going to get in somewhere, you're going to get in somewhere. And then literally the day after she had, you know, fallen ill, I got my first waitlist letter in the mail. And I was like, oh, like the, the only person that I wanted to tell was my mom. Like that was it. So I called my dad because I was still at Westchester at the time. And I was driving back and forth that night um, when I got the mm -hmm. mail. And I was like, put me on speakerphone. Like, I know she can't talk back to me because she was innovated. Um, but I was like, I need to tell her. Like, I don't even care if she's sleeping. Like, I got to let her know. You know what I mean? So that was kind of the hard part for me navigating, you know, being 22, I already don't know what's happening next. And then kind of like the person that I lean on the most uh, wasn't there for me to lean on, you know, um, she couldn't give me the advice that she always did. So that was the tough part. Yeah. And I'm the same with you. My mom is definitely 100% the person that I would lean on first and foremost, it was kind of like other people mattered, but my mom mattered the most. Um, and I kind of still feel that way. You know, obviously, I'm newer in this experience than you are. But when you said, you know, you, I only wanted to tell my mom, I feel that so deeply and so heavily. And now, of course, it's been a couple years since you've lost her. Do those sentiments still ring true for you? Oh, yeah, that never changes. And I still mm. sometimes will like reach for the phone. Like I still do it. You know what I mean? And like, it's kind of like moments of epiphany almost where it's like, how did you forget this again? Like I'll reach for the phone to tell her. Or I'll think like, oh, I should tell. 
And it's like, you know, you can't, I mean, I still, you could talk to her, you know what I mean? I talk to her every day still, but you know, I can't hear back from her on this earth, at least. That's where I kind of had to start leaning on my siblings a lot more. Me and my dad grew a lot closer. Um, Not that we weren't close before, but me and my mom, I was like my mommy's baby boy. Like that's what she would always call me. You're my baby boy. And like, we were like this, you know, we were very close. So um, we started leaning on each other more that way because of that. Because it still does ring true, yeah. Yeah, um, and again, I resonate with that so much. I've also gotten closer with my dad in the process, which has been really great. And I've been learning and understanding him more as like a husband or a partner that he was to my mom instead of just my dad. And I think that's also kind of what made us closer. Um, because before, it's like you know, my dad is this very like laid back, and you know, but my mom knew his emotions, and I didn't necessarily understand them. And I'm happy that you brought that point to the conversation. Because in the midst of dealing with grief, your own personal grief, you're also having to think about the other people that were affected by the loss as well. And making sure that you're showing up for yourself and for them. What was that like for you to have to figure out a balance between being there for you, being there for whatever siblings you might have, you know, maybe your grandparents and your dad? Yeah, that was that was a tough part. One, because of what I was studying, like I was in a neurology class at the time. So a lot of the medical stuff, they were like, what does this mean? What does this mean? So I was kind of like the liaison almost for my family with the doctors. And I had limited knowledge. I mean, I took two or three classes mm-hmm. about it, you know, um, and it was mostly related to yeah. speech. So I was like, well, I know it's on this side of her brain, so she might not be able to say this word. So that part of it was tough. Wow. And then my sister at the time, so she had a daughter, Addison. And then she was pregnant with Mikey. Addison was born on April 19th of the year before my mom passed. Mikey was born on April 18th. So like almost three weeks after my mom passed. So my sister Jess was full term pregnant, trying to drive an hour every day back and forth to the hospital to see my mom. You know what I mean? And she didn't want to not, you know, spend those those last couple of days with her, those last moments with her. And then we all kind of said how to say our goodbyes at separate times. And then my mom was still hanging on and my sister drove back the night that my mom ended up passing. And she was like, mom, I'm good. Cause we really felt like she was kind of holding on because, you know, like I said, she retired from her job. She loved being a teacher. She did it. Once I got into kindergarten, she started working and she worked up until my sister had my niece. So like that was her passion. She loved to be with kids and in the classroom and she didn't want to retire from that job. Like she loved it, but she wanted nothing more than to be a grandmother and to help my sister, you know? So kind of balancing that and trying to support, you know, that aspect of it. And then my dad too, he's like a blue collar guy. He works, he worked three jobs when we were growing up so that my mom could stay home and raise us. So he was kind of that guy who, you know, he doesn't talk about his feelings and he kind of bottles it all up and he doesn't know how to like talk about how he is, you know, feeling about different things. So kind of navigating that to create space for him to feel comfortable, like, you need to talk because if not, like you're going to go off the deep end, you know, like you need to let me know how you're feeling and, you know, let's just like get it all out. So that's when I really started growing closer to him. Now we talk every day, but I did feel kind of like I was a little bit of like the person holding everyone up. Um, And I mean, my sister too, my sister dressed, especially my sister Danielle, like we're all very, very close, but I kind of did feel a little bit of pressure to kind of try to keep everyone holding it together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as a man, I, I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, you have sisters, but you're the only like son. Mm-hmm. Just two older sisters and me. Okay. And so 
from your perspective, how did your grief or did your grief look different from theirs? Yeah, I think that it did. I don't know. Um, one, I think because of what I was studying too, I kind of, by the end of like her life, when she ended up passing, like I understood the quality of life issues and, you know, I was looking at the brain scans and things like that. And I knew what her life would be like if she did survive this. Um, and for me, I always think quality of life with my patients, like I worked with Alzheimer's, dementia, I worked with TBI patients, everything. And I think, you know, for her to have someone living on earth, if they can't actually, you know, communicate with you and everything, it's amazing that people want to do anything they can for their loved ones, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I just mm -hmm. think about what she would want. And, you know, I saw like her, my mom's dad, my grandpa had Alzheimer's dementia and toward the end of his life, like okay. it was quality of life where he was just not doing good. And she was like, I can't put him through this. He wouldn't want to be like this. So then I was thinking about that yeah. part of it. So I feel like my mindset around it when she did pass, I was kind of like, I'm okay with this because, you know, I love her to death. I wish none of this happened, but I know that she wouldn't want this. You know what I mean? And that was kind of my outlook on it. And I kind of focused my grief on how could I support my family now that she's not here? So whatever I could do for my sister who was pregnant and already had another baby, what could I do for my sister, you know what I mean, who was really taking it very hard, my my sister Danielle. Um, like she was really struggling. Not that my sister Jess or my dad or I weren't, but she was really, really struggling and she was vocal about struggling. So how could I support her, you know what I mean? And then my dad who his that was his best friend his whole life was turned upside down he's still not he's a different man today you know what I mean um so my grief kind of I I took it as and I think like on your last episode you guys touched on this a little bit I was just like what could I do I could sit here and I could be like really upset and I could do nothing and just you know wallow in my own you know frustration about the situation or like I could kind of turn it around because how would she want me to you know, live this mm -hmm. life and how could I make her proud? So that's kind of where my grief, I kind of channeled it through that. It's still horrible days though, you know, five years later, almost six years, yeah. it's still, those days are bad. It's not always great, but that's kind of how I think my grief was different than theirs. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it sounds like your family system is a lot similar um, to mine. I don't have another sister, but I do have a younger brother um, and then again, you know, my dad, who was married to my mom, and I reflect those same sentiments. And I think that my brother would probably say the same about me that I was taking it and have taken it really hard. But I think that the approach that you've uh, been able to take in regards to dealing with the grief, whether it was now or, you know, five, six years ago, um, I find it really admirable because I think a lot of people, especially people who kind of understand you know, what's going on there and understanding maybe even before uh, you get the news that there's not really any turning back from this, you know, being able to put your mom before yourself in that way and, and your family before yourself in that way, I feel like is really noble and it's really difficult to do. And, you know, obviously your understanding of things were a little bit deeper than most people in regards to what was happening with your mom. But I'm curious to know, you know, was it hard for you to get to that point of acceptance or was it something that you kind of came to terms with immediately? I think that it was hard. I mean, while it was happening, especially, right, I mean, I was still an undergrad. I think now, thinking back, I'm like, I don't know how. I mean, I remember the night that 
she had passed. My sister called me. She was crying. She said it happened. And my friends who I am still like, that's why I moved to Philadelphia now to be back with them. Like they were my rocks, like during it all, you know what I mean? And I have really great friends from high school and from um, elementary school that were also at Westchester and she passed away and they were like, all right, let's go. We're going to go and get a drink. Like, let's go get a beer. You're not going to sit in your room all night. Like they were just there. You know what I mean? Like they showed up for me. Um, but I, I do think like d- those couple weeks was really hard. Like it took me a while to get to that point, like especially during the first two weeks because, and it was kind of like almost being like catfish, I would say, you know, like we were, there were moments where we were so hopeful. And then four hours later at the next yeah. round, the doctors would be like, well, and like, we'd be hearing all of her machines beeping and like, this is happening and the nurses are running and this and that. And it was just like up and down, up and down. So it was really hard mentally to, you know, kind of handle and like, everything was like good news but you know every time it was like well here's this like good thing but so you can never really get your hopes up like it really does just like kind of like f with you mentally you know what I mean while you're sitting there waiting and waiting because you can't really trust that it's going to be you know you don't know what's going to happen outside of obviously you know you're coming up on the six years and it's right around your birthday outside of understanding how you feel in those moments as a result of losing your mom, how has the loss changed you? I feel like it kind of changed everything about me, um, honestly. And I think anyone would say that. Um, you know, like I said, the big things that like I am proud of, I shared with you, I am a speech pathologist because I wanted to be a teacher because of my mom. So, you know, getting my first job outside of, out of grad school. I mean, getting into grad school, I eventually got in couldn't wait to tell her, couldn't tell her, finished grad school, graduated grad school. I got the degree. I got the master's, the first one in my family, like my immediate family to get my master's degree. She wasn't there. You know what I mean? Thank you. Um, So like that, it's just those big accomplishments and those things that you're excited and you would be over the moon to share with her because you know how proud she would be. Um, And she's not here to share that. So it's those little moments that, you know, you get so excited for and you're so excited or happy to share with someone. And you could tell anyone and they might be excited for you, but it's not, you know, the excitement that you would get from your mom. So I feel like yeah. that part of me is like really changed. Mm, I feel that because I find myself a lot of the times things just don't hit the same, right? It's like I might have this mm-hmm. success and a year ago it meant this and I could share it with my mom and that's all that matters. But I find for myself that a lot of times I feel when I accomplish something, it's great, but it's always overshadowed by the fact that I can't share it with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to find ways to lean on myself and be that support for myself in a way that I feel like I quote unquote, don't need to be able to like share it with her in a way that she can, you know, respond to me. But it just it just doesn't, it doesn't hit. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it ever will. And I mean, it's even, you know, those little accomplishments, like I said, and then like the bigger things, the holidays, like Christmas again, like my mom, we grew up in a household where we were able to get by, you know what I mean? We didn't live some lavish life. We went down to Wildwood every summer. That was our family vacation. We didn't go anywhere else other than that. You know what I mean? My parents did anything and everything that they could for us. They had us in all the leagues. You know, I played travel basketball. My sister did. So we were living okay, but we weren't, we were still paycheck to paycheck growing up. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have this lavish life, but Christmas every year, 
my mom balled out. Like that was it. She was like all year we would ask for something and she'd be like, ask, ask for Christmas. Yep. Ask for Christmas. So everything was Christmas. So like Christmas every year was like at our house, like, and there were three of us. So like our living room was filled with presents. Then she would put presents downstairs. And after we opened the upstairs present, she'd be like, Oh, I think that there might be presents downstairs. And then we'd get all excited again and we'd run downstairs. You know what I mean? It was a really special time. So even just like, the holidays they don't hit either you're like it's like christmas thanksgiving like anything like that it's just like another day i'm like okay well you know i'll wake up there's like no real luckily my sister now she has four kids at this point so she's she never stopped getting pregnant after my mom passed away or popping these kids out and i love them they're like my life my niece and nephews they're the best my favorite part about myself right now is that i'm an uncle you know it's the best thing ever so luckily we have them kind of to kind of bring in that energy but again it's those bittersweet times where you know every time she has a new kid we all get so excited we're so happy but then underlying everyone already knows it she knows it my dad knows it my other sister who would be their aunt knows it my mom would be the happiest you know we would all be so excited but my mom would be because we all remember the day that my sister had her first baby and you know how excited my mom was so it's just all those different things just are different nothing hits you know what I mean it's all yeah. underlying and i'm i'm happy that you have your niece and nephews to kind of i guess work as a buffer in that way and at least bring some joy to the day because i always say like the next time i feel like i'll feel something is when i have my own kids or when i have my own family or when i'm with my god kids you know but that's not like consistent you know i see them maybe once a month maybe every other month so i'm really happy that you have that because i think that there is something to be said about having that like just childlike joy and wonder like around you and it's so pure mm-hmm. and so innocent and it makes you feel like at least for me it reminds me that life is still worth living because at the end of the day regardless of how old you are you're still that child that you were uh whether it be mm-hmm. three four five six you know whatever the case may be that person still exists inside you and so I find that being around them gives me a lot of hope and my dog too. yeah definitely yeah, I know, yeah. right? The dog, I know. My dog, too. We had a dog that was, like, so close to our mom. He ended up passing away a little bit after her, but after she passed, too. Even the dog, like, he, Buddy, he was, like, the perkiest. I mean, he was getting older, obviously, but, like, he was, and he, till like, he was the best dog we ever had. We all talk about Buddy. He was our best dog we ever had. He was the best companion, protector. They were tight. She never came home. He was never the same. Even the dog, like, everyone, you know what I mean? Um, but that's funny that you say that too, because I remember when she did pass, like I said, March 31st, Mikey was born on April 18th and like a day short of a year apart from Addison. So Addie was just turning one when Mikey was born, Mm -hmm. but kind of just like walking in and like the delivery room, like after my sister gave birth and like, we all got to hold Mikey, it kind of like almost put a piece over everyone. I feel like, you know? Because, like, yeah, my mom had passed. We were so upset. But it was almost like she was already holding him. And, like, people say babies are angels. And my grandma, Loretta, um, she's, like, uh, older, like, Sicilian, Italian woman. And, like, she always, she's a big believer in God. And, like, she really loves her faith. Um, she goes to church every weekend. You know what I mean? And she kind of instilled in us that, like, babies are angels. And our loved ones in heaven get to hold the babies before they're born on earth. Like, they are holding their spirits or their souls. And I feel like that really actually was how it was. Like when I picked up Mikey for the first time, I kind of just felt like, okay, like you could breathe. Like you're like, 
and we were all stressed about Jess giving birth. She was already in enough stress with losing my mom. So it was kind of like, right. all right, everything is okay. You know what I mean? Mikey's here. Um, and he's like the best nephew. I love him. Like Trace is great too. My other nephew, like they are the best kids ever. But I think that that is, you know, because my sister kind of raises them the way that we were raised. So it feels very familiar and very comforting. Mm-hmm. I could only imagine. And that's beautiful. I, I went to a medium last summer and she that's one of the things she had said to me about babies being angels and how my mom has my kids already. Cause you know, I'm 20, about to be 27. I'm like, am I going to have kids? Am I going to have a husband? Oh my God. Like, what am I doing with my life? And so um, it, <laughs> it is nice to know that other people reflect those same sentiments. I feel like when you hear something multiple times, it's like, okay, that's probably true. Like that's probably true. Yeah. Definitely. How did you like going to the medium? It was a life-changing experience. Um, There were some things that I definitely know that she couldn't have known based on my social media or, you know, our pre-call because I tried to keep myself very quiet about certain things because I wanted to see if it was legitimate, you know, like you pay money for these people. I'm like, are you real? Are you not? And so when she would say Mm -hmm. certain things, I was blown away. Um, And I honestly think that even though I I feel like I'm not handling grief well, I think I'm doing the best that I can. But I think that experience kind of changed the way that I view everything, you know, because like you, um, I understood that if my mom would have survived what happened, um, she probably would have been different. And and the medium kind of confirmed that for me and her quality of life would have went down. And that's why I kind of asked you that question, you know, a little bit ago, how long it took for you to, you know, you understand that, okay, this happened and this would be the result of it if she's still here, right? Like, but as humans, it's like, okay, but that's not good enough. And so that's why I asked you that question because my understanding of how my mom's quality of life would have been after the fact was true to what the medium said. And it's like, okay, well, if she would have existed in that way, then it would have been like, damn, like, I don't want you to exist like this. I don't want you to have a life like this because I know you were a lover of life and I know it would have changed the quality of your life and the way in which you maneuver. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, damn, like, I wish it wouldn't have happened at all, you know? So, um, but yeah. My medium experience was pretty good. And for anybody who, you know, believes in that sort of thing, I definitely recommend going at least once. Yeah, me too. I ended up going to one as well. And I share a similar sentiment with you. Like she was saying things that she wouldn't have been able to get from Facebook or if she were to creep. I mean, everything I have is private anyway. She couldn't really creep on me, but she wouldn't have known like giving nicknames, citing like very specific things that I was like, okay. And the medium said like, told me that I was going to move to Philly. Philly wasn't even on my radar at this time. Like I had no interest in moving to Philadelphia. I was going to move further south. I was like, I, and now I'm like, it's 10 degrees outside this morning. And I'm like, why'd you listen to the medium? <laughs> like you should have went south. But she just, she shared a lot of things and, you know, confirmed things that like she was back with my grandpa and my other grandpa, my pop-off, who they were sharing things too that, you know, they would never have known. And it was comforting to kind of have that little bit of connection. Um, So I would recommend it too. I tell everyone, I'm like, if you think that that's something you're ready for, because I do think that's kind of, you have to be ready for it, you know, but I think it could be really healing. I I agree with that. Um, It's cool that you believe in the spirit world in that way. So since you brought that up, let's talk about it. How has your mom showed up for you spiritually 
since you lost her. Yeah, it's weird because at first, I feel like there were a lot of signs from her. Even, I'll never forget, the next day after she passed away, I was driving home. And the first thing that came on the radio at like 7 in the morning was Dynamite by Teo Cruz. And that was... Uh um, our family, every summer we go to Wildwood and I have this aunt, Aunt Joanne. She's nuts. I love her. She's like, you know, another like great support system for us. She does everything for us, especially now. She would always dance to that song. And like my whole family, that's like our family song. Everyone puts on dynamite every wedding, every party. We always put on dynamite and everyone just dances to it and it's just silly. But that was the first song to come on in the radio when I was driving home on like my Spotify mix, which that wasn't on my Spotify mix. And then the next one that wow. came on was um, Mother by Casey Musgraves, who's like my favorite artist ever, Casey Musgraves. She's mm-hmm. my number one. And it's like just about a song about missing your mother. And that was the second song that came on. And I, again, didn't have that queued up or anything like that. So I was like, okay, that's the first sign in the morning. And then she showed up in little ways. Like I could smell her sometimes. Like I'll just smell her randomly and little yeah. things like that. But there's no, like, I feel like some people get like the weird, crazy signs. I have not had those, but I still feel okay. her. It's not that I don't feel her, you know? I mean, what does feeling her feel like for you? Because for some people, it could evoke negative emotions. For some people, it's kind of a confusing time. But I'm curious to know, you know, those moments that you do smell her and you do sense her and the songs do come on, are those things that make you happy? Or do they make you sad? Does it depend? Or is it kind of like a mix of emotions? Oh, yeah, total mix of emotions. Because I will, like, it'll happen and I'll just, I'll cry. Like, I'll cry for the whole song. And then I'm like, okay, well, that was great. And I mean, I was never someone that would bottle up emotion. Like, if I want to cry, I'm going to cry. I don't care where I am. I don't okay. care who I'm with. I'll just cry. Like, I just... I don't know who cares about crying. You know what I mean? I've always felt that way. So I'll just cry. I'll let it all out. And then I'm like, okay, that was, that was great. And she's here and you know, yeah, life still sucks without her, but okay. Like at least she showed, she came to me in that way today. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think there's really a right way to handle those moments, you know, cause now I feel like, and I touched base with you on this too. Like it's the dead parents club, right? So I talk about, I talk with other people who I'm not even that close with that know that I lost my mom and then they lose their mom and they just send me a message or I'll always send a message. Even if I'm like an acquaintance, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. I always just will send a little message because I know how bad it is and I know how bad it sucks, right? It's terrible. So, and those, it kind of evokes the same, like you kind of have to relive it again through other people because I'm like an empath till I die. I feel like I just could feel other people's feelings or energy and I kind of take it on myself and I'm like, how could I, you know, support this person in this way? So I feel like I kind of feel her spirit in those moments as well. And again, it makes it really hard. But at this yeah. point, like, again, I'm just like, how could I help these people? And I know that she'll be proud of me because I could help other people now. You know what I mean? With the same thing. And I love that you can feel and understand that she would be proud of you or that she is proud of you in those moments, because I think it does make a difference. That relationship makes a difference. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me what advice I would give to somebody who's newly in their grief or who doesn't necessarily know how to grieve. And I think that a lot of what comes during the grieving process is preempted by your relationship with the person when they're still here. So it's like, okay, you know, I know that my mom was proud of me when she was here. I know the relationship that we have. So why would I imagine or assume that it would be any different 
going forward. And I think having those moments of being in grief, but also understanding that they would be proud or that they love you or that your relationship was good. I definitely think it kind of softens the blow of grief, at least for me. Maybe some people it might make it a little bit more difficult, but at least knowing how she would feel, how she would react, how she would think, what she would say to me has been one of my saving graces because there's nothing that I do and I'm like, would my mom be proud of me? Like, would she not? I know when I'm doing something that my mom wouldn't be proud of. Similarly, I know when I'm doing something that she would be. So I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I know, you know, it is the grieving process to me. It's kind of like you're not grieving you're obviously grieving the loss of a person, but I feel like you're also grieving those moments that like never happened, right? So all these big things mm. that are happening following that, and because of the relationship with the person that you had, you know, our moms in this case, like you are grieving even more with these new moments, you know? But it, I think like you said, you just have to remind yourself of that. And I mean, again, what would our mom say? Like, yeah, you got that new job or you got that next gig and you, I'm not there to be proud of you for it or I can't celebrate it with you right now. So I want you to just sit home and be really upset and just cry because I'm not there to give you, you know, the hug that you want from me and, you know, cheer and throw your hands up in the air and clap for me. Um, no, yeah. like our moms would, my mom would smack me upside the head and be like, are you Absolutely. fucking kidding me? Like, get out of your house. Yeah. Like, you don't sit there and like, go have a drink, like, go take a shot. You want to be with me, go take a shot or something. You know what I mean? Like, have have a drink go out and celebrate with your friends have a good meal like so that's the part where I but I do find myself in those moments where I'm in those lulls kind of where I'm like really down in the dumps and I'm really upset about it you know she's not here to share that and then that's kind of when I have to completely change my mindset or like my frame of reference or my mind you know to be like no Jimmy remember and I kind of have to talk myself through it that way you know so that's something that works for me. Um, I don't know if it would work for everyone, but that's something that's helped me. I just always try to keep that in the back of my mind. So outside of those moments when you are celebrating yourself and finding ways to honor her and her in those moments, how do you honor her in your day-to-day -day life? I just try to like live the way that I think that she would want me to, you know what I mean? I wake up every morning, I go to a school and I do pretty much the same thing that she did just in a different classroom, right? So I work with kids every day. I know how much joy that brought her. She was like an assistant too in like the first grade classroom at my elementary school that I had gone to. So over Christmas, I'll buy donuts for the assistants or like I'll bring them in little treats throughout the year because they help me too when I'm pushing into those classrooms. And, you know, they know the kids better than anyone. I'll never forget when she passed, one of the other teachers had like wrote a message to me and she said, you know, your mom was the adult in the room that when the kid was having the tantrum and the horrible day and throwing desks, like your mom took them by the hand, took them for a walk around the school, got them to calm down. They felt trust and comfort in your mom. Like she was that guiding force for those kids, you know? So now, especially I kind of try to find it in my work, how I could kind of honor her, you know, um, and then same thing with like any time that I'm with my nieces and nephews, I feel like anything that I'm doing for them is really for her, you know, um, and just letting them know, you know, we are the way that we are. Like I'm the person that I am. My sisters are who they are. My dad is who he is because of my mom. So the yeah. things that we could do for my nieces and nephews and all of these kids, that's all because of my mom, you know, like yeah. when my sister had Mikey, for example, I went home because I was like, how could I? What would my what would I, my mom be doing if she were here and Jess just had Mikey and she already has a she has a newborn now and a one year old, what would she do? And I was like, she would just show up. She's gonna show to her show up to her house, 
and just yeah. clean something or do this or do that. And I remember Addie needed something and my sister went to help Addie and Mikey was laying on her bed and he just like started crying. And like, I, again, I'm 22 years old. I, Addison was the first little newborn baby that I really held, you know, as like a young adult. So um, I was still not even comfortable with that. But I remember Mikey started crying. Newborn Mikey, like two or three days old, was like crying on the bed. And it like came over me and I'm like, I have to, what could I do to help this? And I just like kind of scooped him up. And I, in the way that I would never have done with Addie, I would have been so afraid to help out with Addie. But then I was like, mm-hmm. Jimmy, like there's no one here to help. Like you have to, your mother would be here. Like your, their grandma would be here doing this. So like, get your ass up, like figure it out. Like you're not going to hurt the kid, pick him up, rock him a little bit. He'll be fine. And he like stopped crying. I was like, okay, oh. okay. I did that. Now what else could I do to help? You know what I mean? Like, so that's always how I just try to help my sister with everything that I could. I mean, my whole family does. She's, she always says how lucky she is to have the support that she does. I wish that I were home so I could help her more. Like that's one little guilt part that I have about being away. Like I am away from my family down here. You know, I'm like two hours away, which isn't, the end of the world but if there's any type of guilt around you know even that does relate to my mom I do kind of wish sometimes that I was home so I could help more but I also love like the life that I built down here and I don't think that I would have the relationships that I have if I were at home I feel like I'm better off supporting from a little bit farther away and um so my brother was 22 when he lost my mom um he we're three and a half years apart and so it's so interesting hearing your perspective and, and knowing that he is currently going through the same thing or, you know, those early onset of feelings, knowing that they're very akin to what I've experienced my brother experience. And again, you know, I've, I've probably said thank you for just, you know, sharing with me how you feel multiple times, but it is so humbling to be able to talk to somebody else who has an experience that I can not necessarily fully relate to, but that I, you know, understand even just a bit of, because again, it sounds like our family dynamics were pretty similar. And it's amazing. The reason I brought up the fact that you were so young when you lost your mom, uh, I think that it never feels, I feel like at least from my standpoint, and I could be wrong about this, but it feels like I would have never felt ready, right? I could have been like 50, 60, 70, 80, and I still would have felt like, oh, I'm too young to have lost my mom. But at 22, you're definitely mm-hmm. like the definition of young. And I'm just curious to know, you know, did you feel like you had to grow up in that moment? Did you feel like you had to grow up so instantly? Or were you kind of still able to coast and, you know, bask in your youth uh, as it pertains to your family? Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel like I had to grow up Um like I was at Westchester, I was partying, I was losing my keys. My mom had to drive down the one time to get me a spare set of keys because I lost my keys for the third time. Like I was not, you know, I was great. I was studious. I had good grades. I was able to, you know, accomplish my goals, but I was a mess for all day. It's like, I didn't know how to cook. I remember when I listened to your, your episode with your brother and you said, what changed? And he was like, well, I cook now. Like, that was me. I did not know how to cook. Like, I remember calling her to make a grilled cheese. I was like, how do I make a grilled cheese? Like, I did not know how to do anything. You know, like, I wasn't able to do that. So I do feel like I kind of had to grow up like that. And, you know, I don't grieve that I, like, lost that part as much. Like, I think, like, you know, it's benefited me in the long run. I kind of feel like I was always a couple of steps ahead. Maybe some other people that were the same age as me because I had no other choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do think, like you said, like the, the age thing is interesting too, because 
I mean, we were like, I was at the point where I was going to the casino with my mom on the weekends. Like we were going out together. Like we almost, our dynamic had shifted from parent, son, like mom and son to like friends. You know what I mean? She wasn't really reprimanding me as much. I mean, here and there, she'd be like, get your shit together. Like you're partying all summer. Like you better save money for school because I'm not going to be giving you money all the time. Um, But um, sometimes it was kind of hard because and people would be like and they would have the best intentions ever when she passed away to try to support me or you know my grieving and I would get messages sometimes from like older people that were like yeah like I've never been the same since I lost my mom I totally get it and I'm like you lost your mom when you were 58 years old or 60 years old yeah like you were grown you were grown yeah and I'm and I appreciate and I obviously like we could all relate in that no matter what age you are when you lose your mom you know what I mean but sometimes it yeah. would like really frustrate me and it still could, sometimes could. I've gotten a little bit better with just like remembering like their intentions are good. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's not. You don't get what the fuck I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Like I was 22. I didn't even have money to put gas in my car. My dad was like giving money like I had. I was just starting out. You know what I mean? And our relationship still had so much room to grow as adult, like in adulthood. You know what I mean? And like now. Like I'm able to support myself and I'm able to do things like that. I never would have been able to do for her. Like if I were to go home, like I could take her out to dinner, I could buy her, you know, this or that. And like, I don't have those opportunities now, you know, like I never had the chance to really show her in terms of like buying her gifts and stuff. She knows how much I appreciated her. I know that she does. She knows how much that we loved her. You know what I mean? That's never a question, but I was never able to kind of pay it back to her to her directly so that's kind of where I have to figure out now how do I repay her for all that she's done for me so that's where like I said to you I wake up every day and I try to do my best you know be a good person help people in whatever way that I can in the way that she did um I don't know it's a hard situation isn't it it's like we didn't ask for this (laughs) yeah at all at all and I definitely wouldn't have I, I mean, there's so many more things that we could talk about, um, but I, we do have to wrap. And and I think it's actually a perfect ending point because what you just said is so poignant. You know, that question of, okay, how do I repay this person who is not here? And that's something that's been on my mind a lot lately because it's a great question. And, you know, it feels very unfair. It's like, okay, I'm in a space in my life now. I'm about to be 27 the age my mom was when she had me. I'm finally in a space where I can, you know, say, mom, let's go out to eat. And not that I didn't treat her when she was here, but it's like, now it's like really like, okay, we can do this. Our conversations would have shifted because I'm now growing up and grown. You know, the things that we could talk about are a little bit different because there's an added level of comfort. And now what do I do with that? Because those things, still that desire still exists within me, but there's nowhere for me to put it a great way, like I said, to end this episode. But Jimmy, before I let you go, um, again, thank you a million percent for your candor. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? No, I don't know. I guess if anyone's listening, and this is what I say to all my friends, I just had another friend last week whose mom passed away. Um, And, you know, just whatever you're doing, whatever you're feeling, I just try to tell everyone, like, it's valid. There's no right way to do this. You could, like, anyone could come to me or anyone who's lost someone, especially when they're young like this. We would never judge for the way that you're handling it or your grieving process or how you think that you should do things, you know, moving forward. But just don't do it alone. Talk to people. 
don't wallow in your own, you know, self emotions and everything like that, your own thoughts, like talk to someone, because if you don't let it out somehow, it's just going to fester and fester. So it's really important to just talk to someone about it if you need to. And, you know, it'll be okay. It still sucks. It'll be okay, though. You'll get through it. It still sucks, but it's fine. You know, you could do it too. It sucks, but it's okay. I love that. That's what I've been saying for the past eight months. And, you know, again, Jimmy, I just want to thank you so much for being on here. Um, this episode, like I said, is going to be airing around the time that you lost your mom. So I'm, I'm really excited to be able to help you honor her in this way and also to tell her story. And again, just so humbled that you came here to talk to me today. And I just, I can't wait to see what's in store for you. I can't wait to see you continue to flourish and grow because now we follow each other on social media. And I just, of course, wish you all the best as you continue to learn how to grieve. And for you guys, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damn Mom, Really? This has been such an eye-opening conversation for me and I hope that you guys feel the same way. So, um, Jimmy, without further ado, I'm going to let you go. But again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review and a comment. It's super, super helpful to us. And as promised, there's a relaxing cool down slash guided meditation by Liliana Rasmussen coming up in five, four, three, two. Welcome to this guided meditation session to create a safe place for you. Chronic pain can be very hard to handle, but many times when we create a mental image of our suffering, we tend to aggravate this pain, thus increasing it. Then every time we feel the sensation, we will have a negative thought attached to it on a conscious and subconscious level. So what this meditation will teach you are techniques to change the mental image that has been created from this pain, and instead implement a peaceful association with pleasant visualizations that create a warmer bonding between you and your body's sensations. This allows you to accept and allow, instead of fight and push away. Make sure you're in a very comfortable position. Sit down or lay down if that feels good for you, however you need to position yourself so that none of your muscles are activated or tense. Every part of your body can rest and feel completely relaxed during this meditation. Begin by taking five deep breaths to relax even more. One. Full breath in. And let it go. Two, fully inhale and exhale. Three, breathe in as much as you can and let it go, feeling a wave of relaxation come over you. Four, inhale deeply and exhale, feeling invigorated. Five, last one, fully inhale and exhale, feeling any tension loosen up and your body feeling extremely relaxed. Good. And just allow your breath to slow and flow naturally now. Don't try to change anything about it. Just notice the calmness that these five breaths gifted you. Notice how your body breathes without you doing anything at all. Begin to feel any sensations that you associate with your pain. Bring them into your awareness and allow these feelings to multiply. You're completely safe and secure. It's okay to allow these sensations to arise. They will not harm you. Put all of your focus on these areas, really feel their exact position and the quality of the sensations. What's the pain like for you? Is it stinging, tingling, or burning? Perhaps it's like something else. In your mind, describe every detail and then sit with it. Be entirely with it while it presents itself. Don't do anything about it except feel it. Allow the sensations to grow 
and don't stop them, just see what they do. Notice the details of changes the sensations make. Good, you're doing so well. Now switch your focus and bring into your mind's eye a visual of a place you love to go or have been to that is very serene and peaceful for you. It could be an imaginary place, like on top of a gorgeous mountain, or somewhere you frequently go, like a nearby nature path. Your favorite place could be as simple as your warm, cozy bed next to a loved one. Wherever this place is for you, see it vividly right now. Start by visualizing all the physical aspects of this place. Where are you? What do you see when you look up? If you're outside, it could be the sky. If you're in a safe room somewhere, it could be the ceiling. Notice everything you see when you look up. Now look down and at your feet. What does the ground look like below you? Gaze all around this favorite place of yours, making the colors bright and vivid. Make out even more details now, like the leaves on the trees and plants, or the things that are placed around the room. Do you notice any patterns anywhere? They could be patterns in nature, like the way things grow, or the patterns of fabrics and objects in a room. Notice every pattern you can find in great detail. The more details you can imagine, the better. How dark or light out is it? What time of the day do you think it is? And make a judgment about the placement of the sun in the sky. Which way is the light of the sun coming into your imagination? Look at all of the beautiful things that make this place so enjoyable for you. Use your visual creativity of this place for the next several moments. Nice. Now you are going to bring about the sensations this beautiful spot offers. Start by tapping your feet on the ground. Is the surface hard or soft? Feel the ground below you here with your feet, noticing anything you can about it. Become aware of the temperature in this place. Is it cool or warm or hot? Is there a breeze blowing or is the air calm and still? Can you feel the sun on your skin? Sit with these sensations for a few moments and enjoy them. Are there any smells here? If you're imagining the beach, maybe you can smell the salty air, or if you're in a forest, the smell of nature. Just notice how your sense of smell can create sensations of aromas for you when you put your mind to it. What about sounds? Bring fully into this experience any sounds that surround you here. Perhaps you hear a loved one nearby. Perhaps you're alone and you can hear the sounds that nature creates for you. Vividly hear any sounds in this experience. Sit with these senses activated for a few moments and begin to interact with your environment. Great. To relax even further, become aware of what you're doing here. Are you sitting down and relaxing or walking around and exploring? Are you doing exactly what you love and want to do? See yourself being completely relaxed and happy here. There's no need to do anything here but relax and enjoy it. Be assured that this place is always here for you to keep you safe if you need to flee from pain. Take another slow and deep breath in. And as you exhale, you feel at complete peace with yourself and all the sensations in your body. As I speak these words to you, you are changing the mental images associated with your pain. Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the sensations in your body, repeat this exercise to accept the pain and change the thoughts associated with it. When you use this technique, you will stop the pain from becoming aggravated and growing stronger. When you vividly visualize a safe and peaceful place in moments of distress, you are slowing down your pulse and blood pressure, creating a peaceful and strong connection to your body and mind. Allow yourself to slowly become aware of your surroundings, and whenever you are ready, open your eyes, ready to go about your day peacefully.